Honey Hush is a podcast by a Southern businesswoman who knows a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees. Every week, Elizabeth will discuss up-and-coming and established leaders alike how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you're a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush will teach you that the sweeter the honey, the more bees you'll attract. Community is always more fun than competition. About a year ago, I was invited to join a friend of mine who had completed the Dream Big framework that was designed by author and speaker Bob Goff. If you have never heard of the guy, stop right now and do a little Google search, then come back here to listen. An alumni group of the framework that met at Miles Adcott's on-site location was going to meet at Strange Farms in South Georgia. Now look, I said Strange Farms. The farm's not strange, it's just my friend's last name. Strange Farms is located about an hour south of Atlanta, and it's equipped for glamping. So, of course, I agreed to go. Glamping with friends while breaking down the Dream Big framework is absolutely my jam. During that week in Georgia, close-knit relationships were built because of some very intentional conversations. Fast forward to last week. That same framework alumni group was invited to come help break in Bob Goff's newest retreat center in California, the Oak Center. There were only about 25 of us, so it was just very simple to carve out time to make new relationships with other purposeful people around the nation. Bob led us in some structured thought as well as some directed thought. During one of our breaks, it was supposed to be for individual directed thought, Bob and I decided to meet up in the dining hall where you're going to hear where I just feel the gravity of our conversation. I don't take lightly the fact that I was given the opportunity to sit at the feet of a man that I hold in very high regard. Not because of who the media says he is, but because of who I have authentically seen him be myself time and time again. So if you can get past my nervousness in the first five or so minutes, eventually I settle in and I just enjoy my conversation with someone who is so much like us in in so many ways. He's just mastered the art of doing the things that he dreams about. Real quick, I want to tell you about my friend Misty McGraw's company, Blue Magnolia. This unique business is owned and operated by a law enforcement family and strongly supports first responders as well as other meaningful campaigns that come her way. As a customer service driven company, Blue Magnolia LLC was started in 2017 with a passion for providing custom clothing products. Now the goal is to provide other unique marketing products combined with superior customer service to everyone. Blue Magnolia's products are made with love and great attention to the details that you bring to the project. Misty just has a way of taking your marketing projects and creating a unique piece that captures the eye of your audience while ultimately benefiting service families. Blue Magnolia and Honey Hush would sincerely like to say thank you to all first responders, military, and your families for your service and sacrifice. You can find Blue Magnolia on Facebook and Instagram at Blue Magnolia LLC. Misty has been kind enough to offer listeners a 20% discount on purchases by visiting www.bluemagnoliallc.com and using promo code HONEYHUSH. Bob Goff and I are here at the Oaks in California, and it is basically a renovated Young Life camp. It used to be called um, Oak Ridge, and we're here just kind of learning a little bit more about the dream, the dream big framework. And we're with what, 25 yeah. other people. And we're just learning how to get the rhythm of grace with God together. So with Honey Hush, you are the very first male 
that I've ever had on you. This is kind of a, a, a female thing. Obviously, there are male listeners, but you're the first male that I've ever had to do interviews with. And so 50 episodes later, I could not think of a better non-female person to welcome to the hive. Oh. So welcome to the hive, Bob. <laughs> I just love that you call it the hive. Uh, yeah, so delighted to be with you. And I just hope that there's some things that we'll talk about that actually might shimmer. So if you are a note taker, get a pencil and some paper uh, so you can just say something that pinged you and then you can circle back to it later. So you are the perfect example of how one person can change the trajectory of another person that creates a ripple effect. I loved how you just said ripple, like you didn't even know to say that and it was in my notes. So a person that creates a ripple effect that literally turns into a tsunami. You're so great at recognizing people for who they are and encouraging them in who they are becoming. Your book, Love Does and Everybody Always, takes the focus off of us and it transfers that energy to others. At what point in your life did you notice that this actually needed to be a platform? Yeah, I think the, uh, the platforms are kind of for painters, but, but what if we say uh, what you've created in this podcast is a launching pad so that people are launched forward towards the relationships that matter the most to them is faith is important to them. They're launched forward in their faith. And so what we want to do is f- kind of pick the lock, find ways that have people access things in their life that they didn't feel like they had access to. It's almost like the things that you'll say that'll be most impactful won't be information, they'll be reminders. Mm-hmm. And somebody listening will go like, oh, I remember that. Like that was a really high value of me, but then in the crazy of doing life and a marriage or relationships and work and all that, you just kind of forgot. And so I think that's what we do. Our role is to remind people. Yeah, I agree so much. Um, So where I first met you face-to-face was at a um, pregnancy fundraiser. Now, obviously I'd been reading your books and um, I participated in your dream, Dream Big Framework kind of a, it was a subset with some people that are here, you know, at a, at a farm in South Georgia. So I'd gotten to know you on paper, but I'd never actually seen you. And then you came and you sat with us at our table and I felt like I got to know you as a person, not just a, an author. And, um, so I went and I talked to you and I just, what my main focus that I just wanted to share with you to encourage you was that while my dad had recently had a stroke And what strokes do is it kind of kills off a part of your brain and your brain has to kind of have neuroplasticity and it has to like rewire to function healthy again. And what I thought was so neat is that my dad would come over and he spent that two weeks with me. And of course I was busy and I was a mom and I was still working and I was doing my things. And so I was like, dad, I need you to, I need you to find something to do, (laughs) you know? So I want you to be here with me, but I kind of need to do something. So you need something to do. How about you read my friend Bob's book? Why don't you read Love Does and, and read Everybody Always. And over the course of that two weeks, that's what he did. And I literally got to see my dad almost rewire his own brain with some of your best work. And so I meet you and I, and I wanted to encourage you in that, that I literally tangibly saw my dad's brain change because of your words. And you're like, wow, that's cool. Let's call him up right now. <laughs> and I was like, do what? Like call my dad right now? And you're like, yeah, go get your phone. And you did. And you call my dad right there. And so for so many people out there, whether they think they're famous, they're famous, they think they have a platform, whatever, what makes you so different? I think what makes you so effective is your availability. 
why did you do that? Like, why did you call my dad? Why, why are you available? <laughs> well, it's totally for selfish reasons. Because <laughs> I really feel like uh, having a conversation with him might unlock something more in me. Mm. Uh, you know, Philippians 2.20, it's not, you don't need a Bible verse for everything, but it can be a helpful organizing principle. And it's Paul talking about Timothy. And he said, this guy Timothy takes a genuine interest in the people around him. And so I think if there were cell phones, Timothy would be on him, <laughs> calling people, just just check in. Like you wouldn't let the physical distance keep them apart, and they would care about things. They would feel like when they met that Timothy, they met not a wall of opinions, but they met a person who was just genuinely interested in them. One of the things in writing books is I want to just in a nice way push back against is where faith becomes all about just great doctrine uh, at the expense of great theology. So great theology is to love people the way Jesus did. Great doctrine are the truths, uh, the foundational truths of our faith. And I want to have great both. <laughs> and the crazy thing is you don't need to go to seminary, cemetery. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> cemetery to go to seminary to, to get that right. What you need to do is be available to people. Like Jesus was. Somebody pulled on his shirt and he wanted to do, who was that woman? <laughs> you know, little guy in the sycamore tray. You know, he's oh, yeah. like... Yeah, lunch on you. And so what I want to do is to not miss the opportunities to gather together. So you and I have had a great couple days, and there's a host of people that are with us, and I just feel like I've got my pencil and pen out. I'm writing down the stuff that is pinging me. So I think that's what it looks like to take a genuine interest. That's what a lawyer will do. They'll give you a 10-pound answer to a two-ounce question. But like the, uh, the reason I called your dad is because I want to take a genuine interest in the people that you love. And the best way I can express love to you is to love the people that you love. Mm, that's good. That's real, that's real good. One thing that I find really fascinating, because I've gotten to know your sons or be aware of your sons this weekend. We met Richard at that event, but Adam's here. And so your daughter isn't here. She's the one with your grandbaby. Yes. And that's kind of what you transitioned to. You want nothing more than to be a grandpa, that's and it. you're getting to do it. That's it. But you took some of your books with your daughter, and you rewrote it into a children's series. My other question is, why do you think it's important that children have this information too? Like, it seems like an obvious answer. You're a grandpa, you want to instill that stuff to your grandbabies, but like, I think it's cool that you did it with your daughter. So that was an intentional move. And then also, it's now in the hands of other kids. I mean, like, literally now my children get to know why it's so important to me. And I think I told you yesterday that my kids are like, are you really going to go hang out with Bob Goff? Like the guy, the books that you read, that book that you make me read, are you really going to go hang out with him? I'm like, yeah, but why did you decide? You already you already made, you made your money with your books. Why now make it into a children's book as well? Yeah. The reason behind Writing Love Does is I love uh, building schools overseas, but I'm not as good at funding schools overseas. So I just wrote the book and I made a deal with a publisher, one book for one school. Uh, but then they sold a million of them. And so we built another school and another school. And so I think there are maybe 10 or 15 schools right now that are big, like thousand kids schools. Uh, when we uh, turn to like this idea of kids books, 
uh, there was like the hungry caterpillar and there was like a couple others, but there weren't a lot where the family could get together, at least that I knew of, and to talk about things that mattered and then do what Jesus did in Matthew 15. It said he never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. So instead of giving information, tell kids stories because I don't care that there's four words for love in Greek. I could give a rip. Uh, I don't care how many boats are floating in the Sea of Galilee. I don't care how many miles it is from Jerusalem to <laughs> Bethsaida. But tell me what happened when mommy and daddy did this and something they learned about uh, about life or faith. And I'm, that's where all the good stuff is. So if you're listening, uh, and I'm, I'm even speaking to you about this, write that book. Mm-hmm. Like take your stories that have happened, connect them end to end and uh, gosh maybe six or eight hundred words from now you got a story Mm -hmm. and then do that about 30 times you got a book (laughs) well and i'll even say from a mom's perspective that it does it makes a conversation happen because it's conversation you're having conversations in that book that are already going on in their head but they almost need a catalyst to say yeah i was thinking that too what do you think mom and it creates a family conversation it definitely does its job. And I bet you that was a lot of fun, too, to do that with your daughter. Oh, it was so much fun to do it. Gosh, yeah. You also have where you took your Dream Big Fame work and you made it into almost like a study guide, a Bible study. It's a daily 365-day book. And so you write a lot about having the courage to step out in faith towards great things that we kind of manifest in our heads, but we don't actually do them. We have lots of great ideas, but we don't have a lot of actions behind them. And one thing that it's led me to have conversations with people is that not everybody has big dreams. Like they have dreams, they have little things, and they have things that they want to accomplish, but they don't dream big things. Not not everybody. Some people find their biggest joy in doing the daily things really well. When did you go from being a freckle-faced little boy with more questions than you have answers for to a confident man willing to call international diplomats together for a slumber party, basically? I mean, there has to be a middle ground from things manifesting your head to when you decided, I want to do big things with my life. Little things aren't good. I want big things. Yeah, I think for all of us, it's a a lot of both. So there's the thing uh, that you cross the street and you do for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, But to say what Jesus did is he found unschooled ordinary men. And it said in the book of Acts that they could tell that these men had been with Jesus. And I think the reason they could tell they'd been with Jesus isn't because they had this big bird-eaten grin. It wasn't because they had matching hoodies. I think they did it. They could tell because they were taking an interest in the people around them. They were engaged in their lives. And so I think for me, I, I just said, what if I know one person in power and one unschooled ordinary person in every country in the world. There's a couple hundred uh, countries, and so that'd be about 400 people. And so we just started. (laughs) And I started 27 years ago. I just started calling them. So my friends then, the ones that are still alive, are my friends now. And we've gone through a quarter of a century. You know, one of the the tricks is there's a thing called a Google alert. Have you ever heard of those? Yeah, it's like non-creepy stalking. So you could put in like Robert Goff. I have a Google alert for my name. And every time my name comes up anywhere in the internet, I get an email. But there's a guy named Robert Goff who's a crook in the Middle East or in the Midwest. And so so he's like not a very good crook because he keeps getting caught. <laughs> I get an email saying like Robert Goff going to jail yet again. 
So what I'll do is I'll find the anniversary of my guy friends and I'll call them. I've done that twice this week. I'll call them the day before their anniversary to say happy anniversary tomorrow to them. But what they know I'm really doing, I don't want them to screw up and miss their anniversary. (laughs) So that is part of taking a genuine interest. And it isn't uh, so that you do a selfie together. It's to do life together and to just say like, and the crazy, crazy part about this is that they are so over just doing all the like a diplomat stuff they want to just hear from one real life family uh, from your city that reaches out to them so i just started going to embassies i would go once a month and i'd hit eight embassies a day and i'd meet all the ambassadors this isn't a bob thing they don't even know me from adam so you write the letter they'll say yes to you Uh, Go to the embassy of like Central African Republic. You know how many people have gone there this week? I bet zero. (laughs) And that's rounding up. Oh, the embassy of Benin, the uh, chief of staff, his name is Prosper. Now Prosper is the guy that makes the moves. The ambassador kisses babies. And so Cyril is the ambassador. And when Bush two stopped in Benin on his way to Kenya, this was like, like uh, in the news beforehand, this was going to happen, send some flowers and to say like, can you believe that on your watch, the, the president of the United States is visiting your country? Nobody did that for him. That's what friends do. They like celebrate each other's successes. So uh, a Google alert for each ambassador, a Google alert for people in countries that you admire. And then the crazy part is if you know one person in the Philippines and then a storm hits the Philippines, you think, I love all those people. You just knew one person, but it felt like you knew all of them. And I think that's what I want to see in my kids, that they have a genuine interest in this big world where differing faiths, differing uh, 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 focuses of their uh, attraction, uh, different backgrounds and experiences. That's what I want us to do. Yeah. Kind of circling back around to your beginnings with Young Life, because everything you're saying, I don't even think you're intending for it, but you're, you're actually tapping on their door like you're tapping on what they do it's taking genuine interests in others and where we are at right now I mentioned at the beginning that this is a previous Young Life camp and my oldest son is very involved in Young Life where we live in Mississippi and you have mentioned that several times and that being a big part of your personal development tell me what not really not not so broad as like what did Young Life mean to you but um, why, why is it something that you continue to bring up everywhere you go? Every time I've ever heard you speak, the word young life comes out somewhere in that story. Why is that such a, an organization that, that you so readily want to remember to, to, to use in some of your um, speaking engagements? I think, uh, this connection with young life started in high school. Like a lot of people get familiar with young life. What happened is that there was a young life leader who took a genuine interest in me. And I didn't go to Young Life. Like he, he just liked me and I didn't go. I never went to a Young Life camp. I never did anything. I just knew he was a great guy. His name was Randy Seaver. And Randy, uh, like when I think if uh, I put the story in Love Does, when I decided to drop out of high school and move to Yosemite, he went with me not knowing that he'd gotten married the day before. 
and, and then returned. I just can't even imagine the conversation that he had with his wife, but he didn't see me as a kid messing up his honeymoon. He saw me a kid about to jump the tracks. And so fast forward 37 years and Randy and I are still buddies and he lives in Sun Valley, but not like Sun Valley with the ski resorts and the expensive uh, condos. It's Sun Valley, Nevada. It's the largest trailer home park on earth. You can see it from the space shuttle. Is that crazy? Mm -hmm. And so he's just doing the same thing 37 years later that he was doing in my life in high school. And so a lot of what we do has been uh, in uh, being maybe adjacent to Young Life. I've never been successful in joining Young Life. <laughs> I wanted to go on staff in college. They're like, no, nah, I don't think so. And then I wanted to be their lawyer uh, afterwards for free. And they're like, no, I don't think so. But I bought all the land around one of their camps and then we are just adjacent to them. And here's the thing, I'm not very good at joining. So if you're listening and you feel like you can identify with this. I don't want to join something, but I, I can be adjacent to it and be supportive of what they're doing. So I think because I'd been adjacent for a quarter of a century when this Young Life camp that we're sitting at right now came up for sale, they're like, okay, I'll sell it to you because they knew who it was. And I think that's what happens is the idea of having a, a life above reproach. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to see me in a bunch of headlines. You're not going to see a bunch of... Uh, squirrely things that I'm doing. What we could do, what we could offer to one another is consistency, but I don't want to do it at the cost of authenticity. So some people are consistent in the way that it appears. I want to be authentic in the way that it is because it can appear a bunch of different ways, but I would just go like, just be the same person 30 feet deep that you are on the surface. And so I think Young Life has been a great thing to be adjacent to, and I imagine we'll keep being adjacent to them. Um, predominantly women are listeners to Honey Hush. Not always. There's men. I mean, my dad listens, so, but there may be some other men. Um, I would love for you, as little Bobby Golf, what would, knowing who you've become, and none of us know who our sons or daughters are going to become. Um, you know, I have three kids myself, Parker, he's in 10th grade. I've got Blake, my daughter, she's in seventh and I've got a kindergarten little girl and I have ideas, I think, you know, and, and I trust God. I know he's got, they've got callings on their lives, but, um, you've got three kids too. You had no idea maybe what they were going to, but you probably didn't know that Richard and Adam were going to help run this facility with you. You've got all these hopes and your dreams, but as a previous teenage boy yourself, and now you're a dad, you've got two boys. What advice do you have for moms specifically who have teenage boys? What do you want us to know in order for them to potentially become as effective in life as you are? Well, first of all, uh, aim way higher than me. <laughs> but one of the things that we've spent some time talking about is being right where your feet are, to be fully present, not just in proximity to your family, but fully present. You don't need to get up in their grill to be present. Just be like fully present, not distracted on a phone or with a TV show or something else. One of the things that also I've been working on a lot is to just be patient. Uh, when my boys were in high school, they evidently made it through four years of high school without having homework. At least so they said. <laughs> I said, where's the homework? They're like, we, none was assigned, evidently for four years. And so I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> but be patient. You know what's crazy? Uh, we have a little backyard garden and a radish takes 20 days to grow. Mm -hmm. 
but a pear takes seven years to grow. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Okay. Do you know how long it takes to grow an avocado? 14 years. One avocado. One avocado okay. from the seed, 14 years. Huh. And I just think what I'm trying to do is like constantly when my kids were younger, put it in the microwave mm-hmm. and speed it up. And it feels like Jesus keeps pulling it out and putting it in the crock pot, slowing mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. And so... Just maybe when you see your kids and they're not going as fast as that you think they ought to go or or growing or learning or maturing, just think like he's making guacamole. It's guacamole. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to take a little while. Yes. Yes. So uh, maybe just slow down. And I think you and I are wired similarly. Like I think we both make coffee nervous. <laughs> We're just be like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Um, but maybe just take it down a notch, mm-hmm. and then, then actually just trust to say, gosh, you know what? I've given this thing my best shot, right. and then it's going to be the Holy Spirit, which is like so beyond my pay grade. But uh, the promise of Scripture is the Holy Spirit described like as a counselor, a comforter, that He's going to get us all through it, mm-hmm. and the stuff that we can't work out, we're not going to try to jam. We're not going to tell people what to do. We're going to remind them of who they are. Can I tell you one thing? We are big on geocaching stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we geocache like messages in pickle bottles all around the world for our kids. Pickle bottles? Yeah. So in the back back of our will is all the latitude and longitude of everything I've geocached for my kids around the world. So they're going to get to do that. They after get your one trip. Yeah, we're just giving all the money away and then what they get is each other and three tickets to find everything I buried for my, my whole life. And that they don't know. Isn't that awesome? I just We're going to know now. Well, I'm trusting they won't listen to this one. Yes, they are. So just blank that one out. <laughs> Don't tell. Yeah. But isn't that kind of fun? Because I really want to leave behind their inheritance is my friends. Uh, their inheritance isn't a bunch of cash. And that was really kind of a beautiful thing uh, for us to sit down as a family to say, you get my friends. Like, don't wait until the wake, you know, to meet everybody. Like, meet now and have these friendships that have gone the distance. So Richard, Adam, Lindsay are all meeting constantly with my friends. The people that are involved in what we're doing up here are my friends. They work side by side. And I just feel like in the dad department, Mm -hmm. what we can do as a mom, as a dad, is like let our kids know our friends and have these intentional conversations with them. Boy, I'm telling you, no greater gift. And I don't care if your kids are 18 or eight or, you know, probably above four (laughs) somewhere, but gosh, have those conversations. I'd be so honored if you had your kindergartner uh, give me a call sometime and we just talk for a few minutes. And like, there's something beautiful that happens when we get that right. We just are available to each other. Um, Just for the record, and I know know I've told you, and, but you have really... um, I guess restored faith in myself. Um, I'm I'm an Enneagram eight with a seven wing. You are a seven with an eight wing, right? And yeah. that what you okay. And so um, sometimes, like you said, we make coffee nervous. And so sometimes because we're so different, we think that different. Not not that it means bad or that it, but it's just it feels lonely. Let's just put it that way. That's where the this podcast came from originally. Was I looked around and I saw all these amazing women doing amazing things, and they were all on top of their own mountains, and they were waving at each other from the tops of every mountain, but they were alone on those mountains. And even though they were have accomplished it and they, you know, they, they met their goal, they were still lonely. 
because sometimes leadership is lonely and sometimes success is lonely. And one thing that you've really helped me over the last, um, well, I guess I'm going to say a year because I went to that, um, that farm in South Georgia, October of last year. And the community of people that you've pulled together and that you breathe life into and that you keep replicating yourself, you know, the five levels of leadership, you know, one of them is the replication concept and you have done that. Mm. And you, you've got your tentacles. Like, yeah, you may be the one that had the, the original thought of something, but you have replicated those leaders to, into the tentacles that somehow through all of the networking reached me. And you have restored faith in myself that, yeah, I'm weird. I'm different. But God made me weird and he made me different on purpose. And I have a, a divine purpose and that I'm not to give it up just because it gets lonely or because it gets exhausting but there's a reason for it. And so I just publicly just, I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you. Well, I think um, uh, as you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, John 17 and it's Jesus talking to his dad and he said, I've brought glory uh, and honor to you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So I just encourage you to finish your work. And this is part of your beautiful work. And each person that's listening, finish your work. But he didn't give us all the same job. So whatever job he gave you, finish your work. But don't do it in isolation. Find a couple people and say how the work is going. Uh, And we're not trying to build alliances and uh, build these little mini kingdoms to say we're just trying to be obedient to the things. Uh, John 17 also says, my goal is that they would be one. This is just Jesus talking to his dad. But like oneness doesn't mean sameness, means we're just one. And so you and I can be one, even if we're like separated by a couple states. But one of the things that you and I did is we got intentional about being at the same place for a couple days. And that's where all the cool stuff happens in community. So if you're listening, not part of a community, uh, then be part of a community. Just say, can I join in? And can it be lame sometimes? Of course. Try again. Like finish your work. And, and there's something beautiful that happens when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, when we're tending to our own fire rather than tending to everybody else's. That doesn't lead us to isolation. It leads us to community. I can imagine that your paper is now full of notes and your mind is overflowing with things that you want to do. First thing on your list, maybe, is to purchase and read his book, Love Does, and then his other book, Everybody Always. One thing that I want to mention is you may have heard Bob's watch going off a few times, alerting him to a phone call. He lists his actual phone number in the back of his books, and he actually answers your call if he's available to give you his full attention. So be ready when he answers the phone, because more than likely, he's going to answer. I encourage you to call him. I did, but it went straight to voicemail because he was out of range. But I didn't let that discourage me. I then emailed him. And look, it landed me this opportunity to have this interview. I want to encourage you to not let this episode just be another random podcast that you listen to this week. Tangibly get your dreams and ideas into motion. Be about what you want to be known for. Hopefully, intentional kindness is somewhere on that list. The kindness of Bob is something that I most definitely aspire to emulate. There is more to this story and more interviews that came from this weekend, but if you're like me, there's just so much your brain can take at one time. So, until next time, keep the honey flowing.